0: Uh, my name is Kyle Truern. Good morning, Buenos dias, Bonjourno, buongia, tutto bene. Uh, let's see what others. Uh, praise the Lord. Buenos ifiwe, Any Swahili speakers in the house? Okay. If I missed your language, come and find me in the lobby, and we'll, we'll teach me how to say good morning properly uh, in your language. I love the international church. Uh, what The church that we planted and pastored on the North Shore uh, and pastored there for, uh, for six years was an international church, a lot like this one, and that's the, the heart and the call that God has put on our family's life. And we are going now to Italy, uh, to northern Italy, to the city of Genoa to plant an international church and a lot of times people think of Italy, and they think of the, the beautiful sights and the, and the delicious food, which those are there. Praise the Lord, I don't have to eat bugs in the jungle. I'm going to eat pesto, and that's going to be okay. But also, we see those beautiful sights and the, and the, the delicious food, but in the, in the middle of there, there's also very, very many people that don't know Jesus. In fact, Europe as a whole is less than 5% Christian, depending on which, which survey that you look at. Some, some have it even as like 1% or 2%. So that's like 1% or 2 people out of 100 that know Jesus. The rest of them don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we think of the, the Catholic traditions or the church traditions and the beautiful cathedrals all across Europe, but really a lot of those cathedrals are empty on Sundays, they stand as maybe a monument to the past influence of the church. But what we need is a, a move of God afresh and anew in Europe in our generation. And God is, has called us to be a part of that. And part of what we're, we're going to Europe for as well is that there is, with globalization and the movement of people, there are people from all over the Mediterranean world, really all over the world, as far as, as, far as China and, and Indonesia and the Philippines and South America that are coming into these major European global cities. And so we've got a unique opportunity to plant and to pastor and to raise up leaders in an international church, one that will hopefully look a lot like the one that I'm standing in today. We've got faith for it. We believe it, that it's on the way, and that we get to invite people from every nation into the family of God. Amen? Hey man, we're going to be uh, ministering to global nomads, immigrants, refugees, as well as secular-minded Europeans. When I say secular-minded, uh, secularism is the the mindset that says that that I'm the center, right? It's, it centers on the self. It says, you know, God is not relevant. He may be out there somewhere. Uh, you know, may, you know, some some secularists are atheists, where they say there is no God, but many just say, ah, it just doesn't matter because really all I need is me. But when we, all we have is ourselves, all we have is ourselves. And, and the word of God and our experience with Jesus Christ tells us that there is something more. And the word of God says that there has to be more. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we are going to live out the Great Commission. The, the International Church, I believe, is a real life manifestation of the Great Commission to go into all the nations and preach the gospel to every type of people. Every person, every people group deserves to hear that Jesus Christ is Lord and saves us from our sins. Amen? Amen. So, once again, uh, Feel free to visit the table in the lobby and uh, grab one of these prayer cards, take it and put it in your Bible or on your fridge, whichever one you open more, and whenever you see us, that took some of you guys a second, whenever you see us, remember to pray for the Truern family and to pray for missions in Italy, amen? Pastor Brian, I'm really glad that you cleared up what this train was over here, I wasn't sure, I've been wondering, I was like, I think maybe that's a kid's thing, but VBS, that's exciting. Uh, I love VBS, man. Let's pray, and we'll go to the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for your Word to us today. Thank you for Celebration International Church and every person gathered here today. I pray, Lord, that you would open your Word to us to make it come alive to our hearts, speak to our hearts, change our lives, transform us as we submit to your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of my message today is Lose Yourself, Surrender to Jesus. A lot of people go to Europe in an attempt to find themselves, right? The journey of discovery, Uh, but our invitation, we believe, is to go to Europe to lose ourselves for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the sake of lost souls. Mark 8.35 says that for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So the title of my message is Lose Yourself, Surrender to Jesus. And that, that term, surrender to Jesus, is important to us today because of this. I think that I heard somebody say one time that significance, significance is not found in what we achieve, but in surrender to the Lord. We all want to live a life of significance, amen? We want to live a life that matters. I want, when I get to heaven, right after I hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and Jesus gives me that hug, man, I want to know that like what we did here on this earth echoes in eternity and that it has a lasting impact and it was something significant, right? When we get to the end of our life, we don't want to look back, (coughs) excuse me, Pastor Xavier, if you have any more of those little bottles of water, that, that might be nice. I'm a little, throat's a little dry here. When we get to the end of our life, we want our, what we have done to have mattered, amen? Thank you, my friend. And the way that we achieve significance is not in what we achieve, not in what we do, but it's in surrender to Jesus, it seems counterintuitive, right? We think, oh man, if I, if I accomplish enough, if I do enough, then my life will have mattered. But once again, Jesus, he flips things around, doesn't he? He, take, he? He's very often said, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this, right? He won by dying. He won by losing. And that's the same thing that we're invited to do. is we achieve significance by surrendering. Let me define that word, surrender. I heard somebody say that obedience is saying yes to God when he speaks. Right? Obedience is saying yes to God when he speaks. But surrender, surrender is saying yes to God before he speaks. Wow. What if we lived with a life, our lives with that mindset? Say, like, God, I don't care what the question is. Before you even ask me, my answer is going to be yes. We say yes to God before we, he even knows the question. He, he calls your name. Brian, yes, Lord. The answer is yes. I love that mindset. What if we as Christians all lived that? And when God called, we answered. It didn't even have to be A question of, ah, do I feel like I can do that? Do I feel like I'm equipped for that? Do I feel, you know, we start, we start to ask questions when we start to consider and we start to weigh when really God is calling us to to go forward at his word. Europe is in need. The world is in need of people who will live a life of surrender. One thing that we can be praying for, talking about I want us to to paint a picture today of what surrender looks like, okay, so we 'll walk through scripture a little bit and tell a few stories and i want I want you to get a, a picture in your souls of what a surrendered life to Jesus looks like. A surrendered life looks like our Pentecostal brothers and sisters that are on the border of ukraine that that have come from different parts of Europe that are sending truckloads of food to the border and and driving them into those in need in Ukraine in the war zone. During the Syrian crisis in 2015 to 2017, there were over 1.5 million Muslim refugees that came into Europe. We know this because we counted that just those Muslims that we in the Assemblies of God World Missions uh, were ministering to, We saw over 20,000 come to a genuine conversion in Christ during those two years. This time, though, in this war, there are an estimation of more than 6 million refugees, depending on how long this evil work continues. But the partnership of our national churches, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Europe, has been heroic. People have given their lives to try to get food and supplies to those who are suffering. Last week, one of the vans that was going into Europe, it it was blown up, and the driver was one of our Pentecostal brothers from Ukraine. Another man was shot, and he continued continued driving and delivered the supplies and was treated there in an awful medical facility in the war zone. That's what surrender looks like of saying, I'm going to go no matter the cost. The unity of the church in Europe is shining brightly right now, and we ask for, for concentrated prayer, and we, we ask that you pray for peace. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels will find it. Jesus said in Luke 14, He said, So therefore, therefore anyone, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has, Cannot be my disciple. We read this and we're like, man, that's, that seems a little extreme. Sometimes I wonder if the disciples pulled Jesus aside and be like, hey, man, that's, that's a little hard line there. Like, that's a little intense. Maybe we should dial it down. You can't really put that on a tweet or a bumper sticker or a t shirt very well. Like, renounce all that we have. Like, can we just like, maybe take it like 12, 12 steps or like a little bit at a time? <laughs> or like, that's not going to sell very many books, Jesus. It seems extreme because it is, because Jesus is extreme. It took extreme measures to redeem you and I from the sin that we were mired in. It took extreme measures to make a way for us to enter into heaven. He, The cross was extreme. Resurrection is extreme. The Holy Spirit is extreme. We should be fully committed, fully devoted, fully surrendered to Jesus. Say, God, if it costs me all it ha- all I have, I am following you, Jesus. Jesus renounced all that he had to save us. He renounced heaven, walked, walked off of his throne in heaven to come and to be born in a manger, in a stable, in a lowly place among common people. Lived a not a rich life, a simple life life, a sinless life, a life of sacrifice. And if we're to follow him, we should not be surprised when he asks us to live the way that he does. There was a song we used to sing in church when I was a kid. It went, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. I'm glad some of you guys know that song. What kind of difference could our lives make if we said yes before the question was asked? C.S. Lewis wrote an essay. He called it Three Kinds of Men. Three Kinds of Men. I would encourage you to read it. Uh, Men here, he means men and women is mankind. So ladies, this applies to you as well. But I'll sum it up this way. The three types of people are disobedient, obedient, and surrendered. Let's start with disobedient. Disobedience pretty simple, straightforward. Disobedient people are those that live for themselves. Right? It's just saying, "Ah, I'm not, you know, this doesn't apply to me. I'm just living my own thing, doing my own way. God's instruction I have no bearing on my life." Then there's those who are obedient. And C.S. Lewis, one of, the, one of the great authors of, of the last hundred years, he says that those who are obedient, he defines them as those who attempt to follow the rules. Right? They're obedient. It's like paying, like paying taxes, he says. Nobody cheered when I said paying taxes. Why is that? Well, maybe only the accountants, but uh, there's the one CPA in the back that's like, Woo, taxes! Those who attempt to follow the rules, we're obedient. It's like paying a tax to God. We do it maybe faithfully. We do it because it's the right thing and also because we don't want to go to jail. But we hope there will be plenty left over at the end for us to spend on ourselves, right? And sometimes, if we're honest, many of us obey God in this way, where it's like we know it's the right thing. We've got that pull in our conscience, but we're still wrestling with our selfishness and we don't want to go to hell, but also we want to kind of maybe live a little bit more our way than God's way. And there's this tension and we hope that the after, after we do enough righteous stuff that there will be maybe enough left over for us to do things our way. And it's, it's this back and forthness and that we're obedient because we no, we should, but also, like, I've got my will. And C.S. Lewis says that there's a better way, a third way, and that's to be surrendered. A surrendered life understands that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. These people, see, he says, here's, I'm going to read this, this quote from the essay here. He says, these people have got rid of the tiresome business of adjusting the rival claims of the self and God by the simple process of rejecting the claims of self altogether. The old will has been turned around, reconditioned, and made into a new thing. The will of Christ no longer limits theirs because it is theirs. All their time in belonging to him belongs also to them for they are his. will of Christ no longer limits the surrendered will. There's not this tension, this back and forth. It's a lot easier, a lot simpler, a lot better to just say, not my will, but your will be done, God. Once again, the example of Jesus turns out to be the right way, right? Surprise, surprise. I wonder if there's anyone here today who's tired of paying the tax of obedience and then living on what's left over. Maybe this is your moment of surrender here today, friend, where you you put aside that old will. You put aside your self-centeredness and you say, God, I lay aside the self and I step into surrender because I want to be not just paying a tax of obedience to you, not just a little bit. Not, uh, God, I don't want you to give my leftovers. God, I want you to have it All, all of my heart, all of my will, all of my life, Lord, is surrendered to you. Wow, what a power for living that a surrendered life has. In Damascus, Syria, there's an Arabic congregation that crosses bombed out streets and wire barriers to get to church in a country torn apart by civil war where airstrikes target civilians where prominent islam where, where the prominent religion is islam there remains a church surrounded by physical and spiritual opposition in the face of violence they gather together and they sing at the top of their voices one of the songs that they sing the words go stand up for stand up for jesus the trumpet call obey Forth to the mighty conflict in this glorious day. Let courage arise with danger and strength to strength oppose. That's some good songwriting there. Let courage arise with danger and strength to strength oppose. That's, it has even more significance sung in a, in a war zone, doesn't it? A surrendered life is one of Courage. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. Let's go there. If you have your, your Bibles, we'll read a little bit of that passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. This is Paul writing, and he says to the church at Corinth, and he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction... Here's an important phrase here, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. To us, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. A surrendered life is one of generosity. We see the picture here where surrender leads us to give because of love, not because of law. I love what Pastor Brian was talking about, about look at all these flags around us of of nations and missionaries that we take teams to and that we support missions in. You guys do this not because you have to, but because you get to, because your hearts are, are in it, because you love Jesus. And I love what Paul talks about in the Macedonian church. I love this. It's the coolest thing. He says, they have an abundance of joy and extreme poverty and those two things overflowed in generosity. And when we give out of a heart of joy, it doesn't matter if we have an abundance of material blessings, if we have I know a lot of people that have an abundance of stuff and a poverty of joy. You know what I mean? They got that backwards. They're like, "Man, I got all this stuff, but still their their heart is rotten inside because their stuff has them. They don't have their stuff." But you got this church in Macedonia that they have an abundance of joy. Joy is overflowing out of their heart. And they have not just poverty, extreme poverty. They've got barely anything at all. And they say, but God, what little that we have. We joyfully take part in the mission of God. We joyfully take part in the great commission. God, what little I have. I may not have much, God, but it's all yours. Man, what joy that they have. What what a blessing it is to walk in an abundance of joy and extreme generosity, even if we live in material poverty. Matthew 9, 36 and 38 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his, his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I wonder if the disciples knew at the time that what they were praying for, they were also the answer to. A surrendered life better be ready to be the answer to your own prayers, to take part in the answer to your prayers. Because Jesus, he was saying, send out laborers into the harvest and then. Not long after that, he says, go, therefore, into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's talking to the same people here. So they're praying, God, send out laborers into the harvest. And God says, okay, you're up. And they say, well, not like that. You know, I wonder. I wonder if they said, well, oh, we thought we were gonna, you were going to send somebody up. How many times do we pray prayers and then God says, all right, you're it. And we say, "Wait, what?" That ever happened to anybody? Just just me and Pastor Brian? No, man. I think I think that's a familiar feeling, huh? Here's why. EM Bounds, one of the great another great author says, "Mankind is God's method." The church is always looking for better methods. Meanwhile, God is looking for better men, better women. What the ne- world needs what the world needs is not more machinery or better organizations or new and novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Ghost can use. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on machinery. He comes on men and women. He does not anoint plans. He anoints people. It's not great talents or great learning or great preachers even that God needs, but men great in holiness. Great in faith, great in love, great in faithfulness, great for God. Guys, if we're going to be great at something, can we be great at surrendering to Jesus? It's in that, that taking a step down that we are raised up. It's in that surrender that we gain significance. I would add to this quote also that missions at the end of the day is also all about people. Projects are significant, places are strategic, but it's people that are sent and people that are saved. We are going to Genoa, Italy to to share the word of God with people, to invite people from every nation into the family of God. Aren't you glad that you are invited into God's family? and the life surrendered to Jesus is one marked by a compassionate desire to seek and to save the lost, praying for the harvest that is plentiful and the laborers that are few, praying for and participating in missions. Matthew 6:19 and 21 says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, where is your treasure today? That's where your heart is. See, your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. If you're not sure what that means, buy a bunch of stock in one company and see how much attention you pay to how that stock does. Right. If you would like for your heart to be in the kingdom of God, put your treasure there. And I don't just mean your money. Your money's part of your life. Your money's part of your treasure, yeah. But I'm also talking about the treasure of your time, the treasure of your effort, the treasure of your relationships, the treasure of your heart. Make room in your heart. Make room in your family. Make room in your life for investment into the kingdom of God. An investment into the kingdom of God might be praying for your brother and sister in Christ—an investment into the kingdom of God—might be inviting someone into your home for a meal. An investment into the kingdom of Christ might be uh, volunteering at Rocky Railroad Vacation Bible School. Where's my my kids' teacher's probably down downstairs, but she'd probably give me a he or she would probably give me a really big amen, like yes, volunteer at Vacation Bible School, like. Man, you don't know what what an impact that that a week of everyday having fun and, and hearing the word of God might have on a kid's life. That's an investment into the kingdom of heaven. You're like, man, but I don't know. It's summer and it's hot and I don't have that much time. Your time is your treasure. And where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You want, a heart for, you want your heart to be in the next generation of, of Christ followers and world changers? You want your, your, your heart to really be in this, this body, this fellowship? Invest your time, your treasure, your talent, whatever you got, whoever you are, God can use it. You might say, man, I don't have that much talent. That's okay. Whatever you have, God can use it. He's a multiplier. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a, what do I mean by a multiplier? I mean that he takes what we have and he makes it more. Right? God even asked like, hey, Moses, what do you got in your hand? He says, Moses, go to Israel. Well, I, don't, I don't have anything. What do you got? I got, I, got the, I got a stick. And God says, all right, Moses, you, and me, and that stick. We're going to go get it done. And he says, put it down. And so God used that Moses and a stick to do miracles and to create the nation of Israel out of captivity. The surrendered life has no problem laying up treasure in heaven because that person understands that it all belongs to Jesus already. Whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, it's all his. Treasure in heaven looks like the story of Gladys Aylward. Gladys felt God call her to China. And this was back when, when pennies were, you had half pennies, right? As she, All she had in her name was three and a half cents, three and a half pennies. And Gladys, she laid them on her Bible She took the word of God, three and a half cents, and she held it in her hand and she says, God, here's my Bible, here's all the money I have in the world, and here is me. Find some way to use me, God. Find some way to use me, God. Here's my Bible, my three and a half cents, and me. And from that moment, that moment began a lifetime of sacrifice, suffering, and significance brought about through that moment of surrender. God called Gladys, God brought her. Through Russia into China, right? Her three and a half cents wasn't going to get her on a boat, so she had to stow away on a train and then hitchhike through the Himalayan mountains where she was kidnapped. At one point, she was buried alive. At another point, she was sent into a prison riot, and the the armed guards outside were like, no, we're not going in there. Uh, Gladys, you go. And they sent this little lady with nothing but herself and the holy spirit and she goes in and she stops this prison like a guy's running at her with a machete and she's stop right there in the name of jesus he just drops the machete. now clean this mess up you know this like she lined him up cleaned him up said i'm going to talk to the governor on your behalf but first you have to clean up this mess Man, never underestimate the power of a little old lady full of the holy spirit come on somebody A surrendered life holds nothing back. Whether you've got three and a half million dollars or three and a half cents, God does not care as 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 long as you're willing to say, God, I surrender it to you. Alexander Duff was a veteran missionary to India in the 1800s, who in his old age, he returned back to Scotland. And standing before the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church, he was making an appeal for new missionaries to go to India. But there was no response. So he continued even more fervently, and while he's pleading with the assembly, this old man suffers a heart attack and faints there on the stage. He's carried off the platform where a doctor begins to examine him, and Doctor uh, missionary Duff opened his eyes and said, Where am I? Where am I? The doctor says, You've had a heart attack, sir. Lay, lay still. He said, But I wasn't done. I haven't finished my appeal. Take me back. I must finish. With help, this frail old man mounts the steps back to the pulpit, and he says this. When Queen Victoria calls for volunteers, hundreds of young men respond. But when King Jesus calls, no one goes. There's silence throughout the assembly. He says, is it true then that the fathers and mothers of Scotland have no more sons to give for India? Still no response very well. Then aged though I am, he said, I'll go back. I can lie down by the banks of the Ganges River and I can die and thereby let the people of India know that there was one man in Scotland who loved them enough to give his life for them. At this one by one by one young men throughout the assembly in the auditorium began to stand up and say, I will go. I will go. Me, I will go. A surrendered life, friends, is one that says, I will go. I will go even if I will go and die because I understand that to live is Christ and to die is Is gain. May it not be said of us, friends, may it never be said of the church that we have no more sons and daughters to give for the nations. Will you be willing when King King Jesus calls to go? Last summer, Holly and I attended the funeral of a fellow missionary to Italy by the name of Rick Pasquale, who had died suddenly. And at the close of the message, Assemblies of God World Missions Director Greg Mundus, he posed the question of who will take his place. He says, I know my friend Rick would want to ask the question, who will go? And Rick's wife, his widow, Jen, said, I will go. I'm going back to Rome, to the people and the church that God assigned us to lead together, and I will continue the work, and that's exactly what she's been doing. Pastor Jen is back there now leading the, the International Church of Rome with all of her heart, all... All of her mind, all of her strength, everything that she has. Why was she able to do that? She was able to do that because the answer was already settled in her heart before the question was posed. She was able to do that because she is surrendered to Jesus. That's what surrender looks like, friends. Is if she had waited until the moment in her grief, she would say, No, I can't go back. My heart is broken. I just lost my husband. We were called together, but I can't do it on my own, not in my grief, not by myself. but no, because she had already said yes to Jesus before the question was asked. It didn't matter that she had to go alone. She said yes, and she's there now and doing great work for Jesus. Last, last fall, when Holly and I met another missionary that had been in Italy for a long time, we told him what we were doing, and he let out a cheer, and he said, I know three brothers I know two brothers that have been praying for 30 years in Genoa that there would be an international church. You guys are the answer to this family's decades of prayer. I looked at him and said, like, I don't feel like the answer to 30 years of prayer. Like, that's, that's intimidating. You may not feel like the answer to 30 years of somebody's prayer, but you just might be. And that's why we're going to Genoa is because somebody prayed and, and God heard that prayer and called a family from Massachusetts to go and to plant an international church in Italy. And we're going because our answer is yes to whatever question Jesus asked of us. We're going because we're trying to live out Luke 14, 33 that says, that we read earlier, that says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple as the musicians come back up and we get ready to close this service i'm so glad that this is a church that leaves time for a response at the end of end of the message god's word calls us to a response amen the point of all this is that jesus wants all of you all your heart, all your soul, all, of, all your mind, all your strength, all that you have, all that you have been, all that you will be, all that you possess, your future, your family. Jesus wants all your money, not just 10%. Jesus wants all your time, not just Sundays and holidays, not just those 10 seconds before you eat. Jesus wants your entire mind, even your hopes, even your dreams. Jesus even wants your insecurities. Jesus wants all of your words, not just our songs. Jesus wants all of our love. Jesus wants all of your heart. Jesus is calling you, friend, to surrender. The question to us today is, will you surrender your life to make much of God among the world, among your friends, among your family, your coworkers, your neighbors? Are you willing to surrender and say yes before the question is asked? If he were to call you somewhere far away to an uncertain future, would you go? If he were to call you to cross the street to the end of your driveway to talk to your neighbor, would you go? If he were to call you to love the person in the pew next to you, would you go? If he were to call you to reach out to that family member that's far from God, would you go? Let's stand together, church. God, I thank you for your word to us today. Lord, I pray that our answer would be yes. We would say that we hear the words of Mark 8, 35 that say, whoever would would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will find it. Lord, may those words echo in our souls today. I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice today would be willing to lose themselves and gain the promise. We surrender to you, Jesus. I wonder if there are any here today that would say to Jesus, Lord, if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I invite you today to live a life fully surrendered to Jesus. Do that, and one day when you arrive at the door to heaven, you and I, we will have lived a life that mattered. So what's our response today? Maybe it's the first time that you've ever said yes and said, God, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you've been living in a way where it's, it's just you. You're in charge. And there's something in your soul that says, it's been just me. Which means it's just me. And there's something more. I'm here to tell you, friends, that surrendering your life to Jesus the biggest reward that you could ever ask for a hope and a future an eternal eternal home in heaven redemption that begins even right now so maybe this is the first time or, or first time in a long time maybe you need to make the return trip to surrender Come and commit your life to Jesus and let him save you from your sin. I wonder if there's anybody that with an uplifted hand would signify, yes, that's me. I need, thank you. I need to surrender. Thank you. I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe you 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 feel that tug right now of the Holy Spirit in your heart saying, I know I'm not right with God, but I need to be. I know if the, today was my day to, to step towards eternity, to, to come into the presence of Jesus, I don't know what my answer would be. Friend, surrender your life to Jesus. Allow him to cleanse you of your sins, save you from all unrighteousness, redeem you. Or maybe there's somebody today that the Lord's calling you to a place of total surrender. Maybe you would say, Pastor Kyle, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. But maybe there's, there's parts of your heart that you've held back. Maybe you've lived in that, that obedient middle place where your will is struggling with God's will and kind of back and forth. And God's calling you to a place of complete surrender. Maybe to, to lay aside those things that you've held back in your heart. Is there anybody here that that's you? Yeah, yeah. There's several of us. God's... Thank you for your your courage, friends, to say yes. To say yes. And maybe the third thing that I want to invite us to is maybe God's calling you to surrender your future. Maybe somebody... Maybe God's calling missionaries here this morning. Maybe God's calling you to, to say, hey, I, I want to to say yes to Jesus and to go and to do His work and His will, maybe it's far away, maybe it's here in Wayland. But you feel the tug of God to say, "I feel God calling, calling my life. I wanna, I wanna make a difference in the world." Is, is there anybody that that's you? You'd wave a hand. I me. yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's several of us, man. We're gonna open up the the, the front of the the altar here and uh, make space for God to to work make space for response if you would like to uh, there's something significant friends about a physical response that that puts our spirit in a a posture of possibility amen so we're going to open this up uh pastor brian do we have a a prayer team or or leaders that would come and and pray with you guys and we would love to just make space uh for this to happen so as the as the worship team leads us i wonder if if that was you if you raise your hand for any one of those things Will you come? Will you come? And, and our friends will pray with you. And we would love to seal this in our hearts and just take that step of response. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. This is something to celebrate, friends. Let's let us cheer with those that are making that that choice and that surrender for Jesus. And maybe, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to come too. Come on. There's space for you, friends. There's space for you. God, I thank you for each and every one of my friends here today that is responding to the word. We say yes to you, Jesus. We surrender all we have and all that we are. Lord, thank you for the heart of surrender. In Jesus' name.